Our second reading this morning is Matthew's version of Jesus' transfiguration. It comes from chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. It can be found on page 1,524 of your Pew Bible. Friends, let us continue listening for a word from God. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Friends, these two are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, who is here with us, be with us this morning. Still our hands and calm our hearts and open our minds to hear your wisdom to us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So late last week I was scrolling on my phone or maybe my computer, I don't remember. And I saw a picture of a friend's dog, Peanut. Peanut is a very fluffy corgi and he loves to play soccer. Peanut has figured out the meaning of life and it is playing soccer. So in this picture, he is standing in between two practically brand new soccer balls, and he's holding in his mouth this dilapidated and disintegrating remains of a soccer ball from who knows how long ago. No matter how many times Peanut's dad kicked one of those new soccer balls, Peanut brought back that old rag. As I was looking at this picture and reading this story, I couldn't help but think about how much we are like Peanut and how much we are like those disciples who are wanting to cling on to good things that are familiar and that we know when God is leading us somewhere else. The story of the transfiguration is one that is filled with foggy mystery. It is a fantastical story that feels a little woo-woo even to the most open-minded and imaginative readers. Prior to Jesus and those three disciples heading up to the mountaintop, Peter has just called Jesus the divine, but everyone else hasn't quite caught on yet. 
So Jesus takes his friends hiking. Mountains have long been a place where we humans think God dwells even to this day. Remember Moses receiving the law in Deuteronomy, or the still small voice that came to Elijah, or even Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hill, from where does my help come? And right there on that peak, Jesus changes right before their eyes. The veil between humanity and the divine comes down as all over he begins to sparkle when suddenly Moses and Elijah appear beside him. Wanting to hold on to this mountaintop moment, Peter quickly raises his hand saying, please let me build you a house up here so that you can be here. We can even make one for all of you. I can only imagine how mystified those disciples felt in that moment. Nature did things that nature doesn't normally do. Voices were heard from clouds, and the last time I checked, clouds don't normally talk. They just realized, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I think at least, I don't know what else it would be, that Jesus was not just their friend or their teacher or human. They realized that he was indeed God in the flesh. So of course, Peter says, let's build a house. He wants to preserve that moment and to keep it for as long as possible. But God doesn't stay on the mountaintop. A cloud overshadows them and they hear that voice saying, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And they fall to their knees in awe. Then Jesus did something that's quite unique here, but it's a very Jesus thing to do. Their friend, their teacher, the Son of God, reaches out and he touches them. The same way that we might instinctively reach out to a neighbor's hand when we see a wave of anxiety wash over their face, Jesus reaches out his hand to his friends. All of that mysterious glory and the shimmering majesty fades away as Jesus, who is both human and God, reaches out to hold his friend's hand, saying to them, do not be afraid. And they walk back down that mountain together. I think there's a little bit of Peter in all of us. We desperately like to hold on to the good things, these mountaintop moments, whether it is building a dwelling for Jesus, Elijah, and Moses, or clinging on to a ball that is falling apart. We like to hold on to the goodness, and we like to stay at the top, looking out over the horizon forever. But Jesus doesn't stay on the mountaintop. God is not just God of the extraordinary, but God of the ordinary too, coming with us on the walk down the mountain and through the valley again. We spend far more time in the valley than we do on those mountaintops. I remember being in high school and going to the Montreat Youth Conference just like a group of SSPC high schoolers will go this summer in July. 
Montreat is a big Presbyterian conference center with buildings that are made out of river rocks nestled into the mountains of western North Carolina, where each summer a few thousand youth will come through to that place set apart. They worship together, they go to small groups, they pray together, and of course, they play together. They meet new friends and have their friendships strengthened with the group they attended with. I remember it being really easy to choose kindness those weeks. I remember there was always an extra chair around, and for whatever reason in Montreat, the thought of being in a room full of strangers and not knowing a single friend was not the worst thing I could imagine. For me, it was this life-changing experience. It was a mountaintop experience, if you will. I remember Bob Tuttle and then Pete Peary, and then I'm sure the current president also gives this same speech. On that first night there, in this auditorium full of high schoolers, they gave this speech about Montreat being a thin place. Because up there in those mountains, in that place set apart from the rest of the world, God was close. Then they would invite us to look beside us to the people we sat next to on the pews the people we came with. No matter how much fun we had here, these are the people we would go back down the mountain with, and they mattered. Now, when you're 17, those words don't mean too much, but at 31, when I look back on those formative faith experiences, those are the people who walked through the valley with me. We made college decisions together, we suffered through several finals and graduations and grown-up jobs and marriages and babies and even the valley of the shadow of death together. But the mountaintop gave us the community for our valleys. Jesus went down the mountain with his disciples, and his disciples didn't experience that mountaintop alone. They were together. They were community having witnessed Jesus changed right in front of them up on that mountaintop, opened their eyes not only to see Jesus as the person, but to see Jesus coming into their hearts and coming into the hearts of others as we walk through the peaks and the valleys of life together. I often find it easier to feel God's presence somewhere like Montreat, or even just in the mountains at the top of the hike or even standing out here on the coastline, soaking in the vista, sometimes even in this sanctuary. But I often struggle to feel God's presence as the dog has tracked dirt in on my freshly vacuumed floors, or as the untouched dinner plate gets tossed to the floor because I had the audacity to put a burger on a hamburger bun. I often struggle to find God when a 30-minute bedtime routine has now turned into at least an hour and there is still a mountain of laundry to be folded and a pile of dirty dishes sitting in the sink. I often struggle to find God's presence in those ordinary moments, and I'll even say I sometimes struggle to see God in the heart of the person who threw that food on the floor. <laughs> now, I know that my... Valley is one that is full of privilege right now. But it's still the valley that I walk through. And I suspect some of you walk through a similar one. 
more often than not, whenever it is that I sit down in the evening, there's a, a text message from a friend waiting for me, and it often lands just right. It's often a story about how their children did the same crazy things. When I see that, though, I remember that I'm not alone. And I remember that even in these ordinary moments, Jesus is there. God is there. When we are surrounded by a community that reveals Christ's light to us, God is there. Debbie Thomas wrote an absolutely beautiful article about the transfiguration of Jesus back in 2020. She articulates that while mountaintop experiences like the transfiguration, it is certainly worthy of awe. Most of life isn't that spectacular, but all of life is sacred. Thomas reminds readers that when we are so focused on those mountaintop experiences, we overlook God who is also in the valley. Witnessing Jesus changed on the mountaintop challenged the disciples, and so too it challenges us to learn how to cultivate awe and wonder in the face of the mundane. Jesus, who has changed right before our eyes, equips us to see awe and to see wonder in that ordinary. After the clouds have cleared and the sparkles have dulled, Jesus isn't the only one who has changed. The disciples' hearts were also changed. Their eyes were opened to see their friend, to see their God, and the hearts of one another, their community, as they go back down the mountain together with Jesus. I think the transfiguration of Jesus is less about that woo-woo mountaintop faith experience and more about opening our eyes to seeing Jesus in the hearts of those who will walk in the valley beside us. Because God does not let Peter build a house. God comes down in the flesh. And Jesus walks through the briars and the weeds and the overgrown trails right beside us. So friends, may we not be afraid to journey back down the mountain. May we not be afraid to journey through the valley with Jesus. May we not be afraid to walk towards the cross with Jesus. May we not be afraid to show humility, <coughs> surrender, and sacrifice to God. For having seen the bright lights of Epiphany and the Transfiguration, we are prepared for the darkness of Lent, because God abides in both the glistening mountaintops and the darkest valleys. And friends, that is good news indeed. Amen.